the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. From the streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merc, he's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now, with personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America, he's here to seize back our rights from the government. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other, he's Sean Thompson. And this is The Sean Thompson Show. and so many topics. I need another hour and another producer. These are the kind of days I want that extra hour. And these are the kind of days I want want no commercials. Because there are so many assaults on our freedoms, on our liberty, on our rights, and moreover, on our wealth. Yes, we all have certain amounts of wealth. Even the people that don't think they have any, they have some. And it's called their future, their earnings, their potential. And when you have a bunch of clueless, blind mice pretending to be in charge, pretending to know what's going on, what they really do is steal the future from those of us that can afford it the least. That's why the Democrats rule over ghettos. The people who know what's coming, the people who can see what's coming, get the hell out of Dodge. That's why there's a mass exodus from these Democrat utopias like the one we live in. So little Lori Lightfoot. I understand she thinks she's all that in a bag of chips, but she's just some woman dressed like Geppetto who doesn't know if it's Tuesday or July. She doesn't have a clue in what she's doing. She's a lawyer. Now, listen, I I speak ill of lawyers. It's not true. I have the utmost respect. My best friend in life is a lawyer. But lawyers, like every other occupation, are filled up with people, human beings, most of whom are average. Some are rotten, and a very few percentage are great. The kind of lawyers that have bastardized our political system to me, although brilliant and cunning, I think they're rotten. I think they're rats. I think they wallow in the corruption that they help stoke. They keep in business. And that's why little Lori Lightfoot's make $400,000 a year from a law firm she hasn't been to. It's just me. But one thing I know for certain is she doesn't know what the hell she's doing when it comes to business. I mean real business, not the corrupt shenanigans Chicago calls business, but the kind that honest people partake in. Little shop owners, entrepreneurs, all the way up to big moguls who aren't part of the corporatist system. I understand it's a very small lane, but it's a lane. And this is why I fought the atrocity, what I think is the year that will go down in infamy. When an autopsy is done on the collapse of the great American empire, it will come back to the year 2020. And it will be the the fact that we listened to clueless blind mice tell us that because of a flu or a pandemic or whatever scary word they want to put on it, we had to give up our lives, our businesses, our freedoms. We had to place ourselves under house arrest and we had to shut up and take it. Well, those of us with an IQ over 60 and could do so got the hell out of Dodge. Very proud to say I am one of those people. I refused to allow the 480-pound necklace trust fundy fund babies lock me up and take away my business. I said, if Pritzker's telling me that I got to shut down my business while his wife and kids flee to Florida, that's good enough for me. Then I looked at Geppetto in Chicago. I said, she's killing Chicago. Killing independent Chicago. And she was. And now little Lori Lightfoot thinks she could flip it on like a switch. But what she doesn't understand and what Pritzker doesn't understand and what Joe Biden never understood, even though now he doesn't understand much, he can't even. uh, Do you hear his latest before I get on? Visit vaccines.gov.gov vaccines.gov or text to text your zip code to four, three, there he is. Eight, eight, two, nine. Here it is, everybody. The world's greatest website. There he is. We try to keep him away from numbers or web addresses, but yet there's supposedly 81 million morons that voted for that buffoon, the flaccid fascist that he is. But what neither of them, none of them understand, not only are they all from the mafia Marxist party, 
They don't actually understand how real business works. All they know is government corruptions, government paying off your contributors and hoping that you get shaved 30% back in dark money. That they understand. But Lori Lightfoot thinks she's going to turn back on the businesses, the independent people that fled, that left. Because now, guess what? She's under pressure. She understands we're losing people and we're losing the real producers. It also comes as last week's announcement of expanded phase four regulation, which will allow indoor events such as the United Center and places of worship to operate at 25 percent capacity. So, yes, fans are back in the stands and parishioners are coming back to our houses of worship. And the Chicago uh, Bridge phase, which will allow our city to continue expanding capacity if our public health metrics continue to improve, improve, and we are hopeful and optimistic and are going to be working diligently to make sure that that happens. Now, this is a scheme that these politicians and Dr. Dryheave Arwardi, these this is a scheme they put up. Now, the numbers don't support anything, but that's OK. Nobody really paid attention to what the numbers were or to what the. Uh, They said it was going to be because they were wrong at every step of the prediction. But one thing's for sure. She thinks you can flip a switch and businesses are going to turn back on and and people are going to go back to work and customers are going to go back into that ghetto. Because one thing that has spiked that none of them are talking about is the absolute chaos and crime. There are no more good neighborhoods in the city of Chicago anymore. And she's under the impression that these businesses are going to come back. Our city and our vibrant businesses, venues, and neighborhoods are open and ready to welcome folks back. Taking together the reopening efforts supported by Open Chicago will allow us to take smart, safe steps towards fully reopening to a sense of normalcy and build on our city's ever-growing list of firsts. We were the first city in the nation to publish a comprehensive COVID-19 recovery plan detailing our pathway out of the pandemic. We have been become the first city to lead the nation when it comes to vaccine distribution efficiency and equity. So much so what the hell that other cities mean? across the country are looking to us as a model. Where's the other city in this sewer looking, looking to Chicago as a model? Can anybody name? Is there a city out there looking to Chicago as a model? Because what Chicago leads the nation in is failure and corruption, failure and corruption. That's the national joke of what Chicago is. And the idea that people are looking to Lori Lightfoot's leadership, people are fleeing from Lori Lightfoot's leadership. Lori Lightfoot's leadership has led to not only a mass exodus, but an economic failed system. That nobody can regain from even those on the government dole. They're still not going to go back. You cannot regain the, the business velocity that was there after we allowed these frauds and failures and morons to shut us down. And now, thanks to initiatives like Open Chicago, the support of our partners at the federal and state level. That means welfare. You see, this whole damn city and state couldn't exist Without welfare. I mean, I know that they feel like they're a corporation and they're the leadership and they're directing who makes money and how it makes money. But the reality is the Leviathan that is this government subsidy has overtaken the private industry in this state. That's just the fact, Jack. And nothing can exist without government charity and handouts. So much so there's an article of the new speaker of the house And uh, forgive me as I look to it as a new speaker of the house that he wants to take the federal bailout money and use it to pay off debt. So he's taking welfare to pay off debt. And that is going to mirror itself as a as a business comeback or an economic comeback. When the reality is the only thing that's thriving in Illinois is another month of marijuana sales records. Yay! Marijuana gambling. That's how we're working. Those are the businesses that are thriving, not small business, not independent business, not a business climate or community. Lori Lightfoot is telling a fairy tale. The good news is the people that are dumb enough to vote for Lori Lightfoot in the first place are not smart enough to know she's lying to them. They believe this nonsense and they don't could care less that what exists in Chicago are welfare oriented Keynesian businesses.
that borrow money like the alderman. You know how they borrow money from banks that are going to go under and then never pay it back? You know, like Daley Thompson, the one with that big balloon head. This is what they thrive in. This is what they call a business climate. The reality is Lori Lightfoot is wrong. J.B. Pritzker is wrong. The Speaker of the House, the fungible Mike Madigan hand puppet is wrong. And that's why they have to lobby, and that's why they have to gerrymander voting. That's why they have to fight to keep power to this mafia. It is not a city. It is not a county. It is not a state anymore. It is simply a mafia hub run on corruption, lies, fraud, and really totalitarian dictate from clueless people like Lori Lightfoot. Lori Lightfoot is in so far over her head, and I know it's not a cheap height joke. It is because she is not, does not understand how business works, how the economy works. She is exactly what she appears to be, an absolute and total fraud. And organized labor and so many others, we will be able to, one of the first cities, to fully and safely reopen in the nation. In order to keep up this phenomenal progress, of course. You have no progress, dummy. You have failure and welfare. There's no progress. There's nobody thriving in Illinois as a business, except if they're connected to your party. Then they got the PPP. They got the handouts for the uh, 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 to keep your employees. What's the other one? Not PPP, PP, whatever. The other welfare to pretend you're in business. That's the only thing that thrives. And your threats to the only thing left, what's left of the financial institute, they're already looking in three different states. The Board of Trade, I guess they call it the Mercantile Exchange now, gone. Just threaten them one more time, gone. The only thing that thrives here are the Marxist mafia unions. And that's the way your system really works. We need to continue doing what we know works to slow and stop the spread of this virus, which unfortunately still remains very much part of our present. And as the governor said, it's way past time to get vaxxed up Illinois and Chicago. This is the other thing that takes me to the vaxxed up, vaxxed up, vaxxed up. This is a problem for me because anything that's pushed by these failures, by these corrupt fools, anything that they push, I am way more than hesitant on. In fact, I stand directly opposed to it. So the only way you're going to get to meander around their city is with their new passports, their vaccine passports. Now, it's interesting, their vaccine passports. It's basically an index card. It's an index card with no security whatsoever. And if you have one of those index cards, you could put it in an app, and now all of a sudden it's electronic. So in a city that runs on corruption, runs on crime, runs on failure, how many of those vaccine passes are real? Anybody? Something tells me I could get one. I think I could get one. I'm pretty sure I could. And then I could meander around the city and I could pretend to be vaccinated or I could do something even dumber. And that's to buy whatever she's selling. I'm sorry. I think the the short term and the long term of these Democrat mafia run cities and states and counties is that they are going to get what they wanted. They are now in absolute and total control and they will reap what they sow. And this will be the failure that leads to not only another congressional seat lost, this will end in absolute and total economic turmoil for anybody that's attached to Chicago. I know it's not the rosy, but this is not something you can flick on and off like a light switch. What these people did to this this country, what they did to that city, what they did to this state cannot be redeemed by her telling us, even though the virus is bad, go back to work. It's going to be great. So I'm curious, are you going to go back in the city? I mean, I know the people who live there have nowhere else to go. But if you're a suburbanite, are you going to go back in the city this weekend for dinner? 312-642-5600. I'll take your calls when I get back. Nice, little Star Wars. Man allegedly bit off parts of a couple's ears during a Southside attack. A man attacked a couple in Fernwood over the weekend, allegedly biting off parts of their ears. When officers arrested him, he allegedly told him the blood he was covered in was not his, but the blood, the blood of peasants. Well, that's nice. You're getting attacked by not only a crackpot that's biting you on the south side of Chicago. He's somewhat waxing poetic. It's like being attacked by modern day Macbeth. The crime is staggering. The failure is almost inconceivable, incomprehensible. The fact that she took businesses that were hanging on and decided to forcibly take over those businesses and now their big ideas to bring them back is that the house dems eyeing minimum wage laws to fix past racial discrimination shows you they have no idea what they're doing in fact the minimum wage laws was not only lobbied for and originally passed by 
the corrupt racist unions in this country. That's who practices it today, because under a high minimum wage, you cannot afford to give minorities or people without experience a job. What they're doing is actually handing the racists among us their greatest weapon to say to various minorities, sorry, can't hire you. I got to pay everybody $15 an hour. So my cousin Billy Bob and his other son, Joey Earl, they're my employees. See, that's how it really works in the real world. But these do nothing fraud attorneys who know nothing about economics or business. These are the ones making the rules as they backdoor nationalize from the little mom and pop cleaners all the way up to the corporatists that they use their regulations as weapons against. This is how you know we've been overthrown because they are telling to big and small exactly how they're going to run their business. Who's going to sit on the boards? Who should be the CEO? Well, then whose company is it? And if that doesn't work, they have massive spending bills to destroy the wealth of the citizens that have managed to remain independent in this Marxist takeover. All right. Teresa, Northside. How are you, Teresa? I'm great, Sean. Thank you. Um, I just had to ask you, do you remember the slogan Chicago had for years? Well, it was, it was broad shoulders and always works. That works. Yeah. Do, and, do you remember that one? Of course I do. You know, you have to understand when I, people hear me now, they say, oh, this guy hates Chicago. He's a, no, no, no. I, I love Chicago. I'm disgusted. I'm disgusted at the morons that vote for this Geppetto pretending to be a man who doesn't know whether it's Tuesday or July as she destroys not just small business and big business, but the opportunity for people to work their way out of this ghetto. See, these actions actually destroy the one asset that most people work their whole life for, their homes, their homes. This destroys home values. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. Median home prices. Now, if you don't know what median is, it's very simple. It's a, it's a term by economists. You take the lowest, you take the highest, right in the middle. Median home prices in Chicago, $225,000 for a medium, median home price in Chicago. In, and I'm just going to tell you because I know it off the top of my head. Naples, Florida, 445000 In fact, any other state and major city, it's higher than Chicago. Now, why? If Chicago was such a great city, it was a leader across the nation, wouldn't it have the best median home prices? Instead, it has in the bottom 10%. Because these politicians, these 50 thieves that we call aldermen, who go to jail the way most people go to to vacation, they have destroyed your home values. Poor, and I know that the Gold Coast, and I'm sure there's a couple by the archdiocese, they think that they really got themselves something really good. And, you know, maybe they'll sell to other rich people who hate their money. But I think they're starting to see a little bit of a failure when you look at days on the market. Days on the market aren't as great as these lipstick salesmen, these ones who put the pig, the lipstick on the pigs and sell them to you. They're not really as good as they say they are, especially in what used to be good neighborhoods. Jeff in Dundee. Hey, Sean, you're on, Sean, you're on fire tonight. Anyway, I, I, you know, Lori Lightfoot, when she has this news conference, who does she think her audience is? How many people are listening to her? Maybe a hundred or less. I have to tell I you. Mean, you know who I think she. You know who I think she, her audience is. Her audience is that is 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 the kind of people like the two point six million people who signed the petition to get two thousand dollars a month in payoffs for for in perpetuity. So right now I've got a story. There's a petition. Two, they, they, there's two plus million people in this country that signed the petition that says the federal, and by the way, Biden and the Democrats are thinking about this, to give families $2,000 a month in subsidies. And for what? For existing. So her constituent base, this is why I have nothing but contempt. Her constituent base isn't somebody who wants to have the opportunity of building wealth. They are, for the most part, people who are very comfortable watching government strip wealth from others. So this is why I put up this fight. Because the only thing a poor man should ever want to do is become a wealthy man or to have the life he chooses, whatever it is. But never at the expense of tearing somebody else down. And that's why I call them the American Marxists. They, they, they truly are. They don't want their people that support these, these Democrats they don't want to earn their way into, into wealth and prosperity. They want to have it given to them. 
And they want it with the idea that the government is literally taking it from people who are wealthy. That is now the American system versus hard work. Go earn your way up. You can do anything. That's all passe now. Now we have this new vendetta system where if, wait a minute, do you not like me? And by the way, where do you see the clip when I come back? Do you think, do you, do you think less of me because I'm, I'm a different race? Well, then government has to restrain you. And government has to strip you of your assets. And apparently, you want me to believe 81 million people said okay. Well, now they are my enemy. 312-642-5600. I'll never turn to the dark side. <laughs> nice. Let's have a little fun with some old school. So on Sunday, you know, I always monitor the news. Because uh, my wife says, come on, we're going to go out for dinner on Saturday night. Where do you want to go? We're going to go out with these two couples who I really am looking forward to. And I said, well, I can't tell you where I want to go. I can tell you where I don't want to go. And I'm reading the articles. I have the Newsmax. It's not Newsmax. Excuse me. It's a uh, news source for Chicago. And you put in, you know, areas you're interested in. Body found in Lagoon at Douglas Park. Um, Chicago violence, nine people shot since Friday night. This was Saturday. Armed robbery spree crosses six Southside neighborhoods. Man, 22, shot in a building. Fatal police shooting. Man stabbed to death during a fight on the West Side. Uh, Man fatally shot in a fight on the West Pullman. I mean, so, so now you're saying after shutting the city down and turning it into a scene from Escape from New York, now you're saying, okay, businesses are back on. Everybody come on in. It's going to be great. It'll be just like it was. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not going in there. I think it's a sewer to me. Bill Itasca. Hi, Bill. Yeah, hey, Sean. You know, my wife gets a part-time job once in a while in Chicago, and we used to argue all the time because she wanted to take those cabs. And I tell her, honey, you got a brand new car sitting in the driveway. Now, I won't let her go into Chicago by herself. I take her in, pick her up, yeah. even if I have to rearrange my work schedule. Bill, you know my favorite part about the carjackings? It shot up to 200% greater than it was a year ago. Then it fell back 30, and they called it a big win from month over month. I mean, Bill, the scariest part is they're so willing to lie to cover up their failure that here we are, we've got this fraud pretending to turn business back on. Thank you, Bill, for listening, and thank you for the call. Now we go to one of my favorite Chicagoans. Mike on the north side, what's up, Baloney? Hey, I just got to tell you, Downtown is not safe. Michigan Avenue is not safe. Wrigley Field, Lincoln Square, Lincoln Park are not safe. That's where all the criminals go to do their robbing. You notice, Mike, how they blacked out the news about what happened at the Bean? You know, I mean, and, and no one, I didn't see it reported because I only know through happenstance. She had, what, a hundred coppers put off a, a, a block and a half perimeter around their house this weekend? Wouldn't that be nice, Mike? Yeah. Do you live on that block? No, 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 no. Right. Too many liberals on that block. But I tell you, I'm in favor of that $2,000 a week. You like that, But huh? you get that, you lose everything else. You lose welfare, you lose the cell phone, you lose the Section 8, your kid's never getting the Peyton it's 8, College 8000 a month, brother. 2000 a week is 8000 a month. I'll give it to the family, but we're not giving them anything else. No, I, by the way. anything else. Buy your own groceries. This is, and, this and that is... Includes, that includes the parents who send their kids to public schools on the north side. They're living in $2 million houses, and they got bribed $450 a month for groceries. Well, I want to get the story right. I think it's a month. I think it's 2000 a month. But here's the nice thing, Mike. I'm going to read it to you. Thank you so much. Um, Change.org petition was started last year by a restaurant owner in Denver. I'm calling on Congress to support families with $2,000 payments for adults and $1,000 payments for kids immediately. This is, this is per adult. So if you got two adults in your house and you got three kids, it's 3000 plus 4000 7000 a month. Um, as of Monday, the petition has 2.3 million signatures, 3 million being the goal. Online petition has been spantied about by congressional Democrats, and Biden has shown some favoritism. Yeah, this should end up well. Seven thousand a month. If you got three kids, you and your wife are in the house. Whew. Chris, the West Side. Hi, Chris. Hey, Sean. Love your show, man. Love your show. Thank you, buddy. Hey, we have. I have a limo company. All right. Five years ago, 
was a hundred percent all Chicago. That's all we did. I was making millions doing it. You know, uh-huh. now we're it's like ten percent. We only do weddings now in Chicago. Everything we're putting our focus on the burbs. Focus on you know everything else. We do not. My drivers don't want to go down to Chicago. It's like it's the Wild West. It's like Mad Max. You know, I mean, the, the scariest thing. This really, I mean this. And I'm I'm a father. I think the scariest thing your kid could say to you is, uh, "I'm going downtown." And you know, I, I Chris, thank you so much for the call, and I wish you the best in your business. Next time when you call back, give Misty the name and number of your service. All right. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate that. Here's why I'm so agitated this week. I um I don't anymore, but I managed property for a group I put together. And a very dear friend of mine would buy stuff, and he would have me manage it. And I've been doing this since I left the Mercantile Exchange in 05. And um, it's mainly in my old neighborhood. And there was a woman who um, I really liked. Her name, uh, I don't want to embarrass her, but let's just call her Kathy for now. And she is a, a, a woman who was raising three boys. Her husband had taken off on her, and I'm, I was very sympathetic. You know, never raised her rent 11 and a half years. Anyway, she, she didn't have the credit to get in, and I gave her the credit. She had these little boys. And uh, I called her to tell her, look, I'm not doing it anymore. I moved, and I'm not going to do it anymore. And um, she's, I said, so I'm going to have my friend call you or whatever. And she's crying. She's like, okay, she, you know, Sean, I'll get it to you when I can, but I, I'm getting over it. They took my boy. And I said, what are you talking about? And her son had been killed over the weekend. And uh, I thought to myself, no one knew his name. No one knew his name. He wasn't on the news report. It was just another gang shooting. It was just another victim. And I knew this kid when he was 10 years old when I met him. He's 21 now, and he's never going to be 22. And I thought, I guess that's how you could have a statistic, like 47 people shot, six dead, and nobody gives a rip. There's no protesters. In fact, there's no even talk about how you're going to stop it next weekend. In fact, if you get less than 10 a day, which is pretty much Chicago average, I've got to listen to this moron dressed like my grandfather tell me it's safe to come back into Chicago and we're turning the city back on again. It's, it's truly a despicable circumstance. As you watch people who doesn't matter what the names are, they're all fungible. They're voting for this mafia to stay in place, to destroy lives, to destroy cities and where crime flourishes. Best part about Illinois, marijuana sales, gambling. Sam Giancana economic plan. Let's get the hookers on the street again. It's just sickening. Yet every election, what are the what are the Democrat with the mindset of slaves? What do they do? Who do I vote for? You tell me who to vote for, and I'll pull that lever. That's why I have zero respect. My favorite phone call since I've been doing this show is that moron scumbag on the south side of Chicago who told me I have no respect for the Marxists. You're damn right. And you should be ashamed of yourself for voting for the scum that has destro- destroyed a once great city and state and county. And what's, what's, what happens if, I remember a couple weeks ago when uh, the rumor was uh, Lori Lightfoot was going to resign. What happens? Well, then we get Grady Preckwinkle just steps right in and she'll win every time. Same, same system. Just the names are fungible. It's sickening. Dave and Niles. Hi, Dave. A great program, as usual. I've had my law office across from City Hall for 35 years. The loop right now is dead. Its hyperactivity is gone. You can jaywalk across LaSalle Street on Wednesday at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Do you remember remember 20 years ago how it was just, it was just, you just loved being down there. I mean, I went every day, and even though I was, you know, I, maybe I was tired, I didn't feel like, I, the once you got in that city, it just had an energy about it. It was just thriving. It's, it's right. Yeah. And, well, now, and now we have people sleeping in the doorways of buildings, and oh. it's, just, it's just absolutely horrible. The mess in the curbs. It's terrible. The graffiti, they're constantly trying to clean off. Dave, you're it's an attorney. Really you're, you're probably a brilliant guy. Don't ever think you're too old. You know, when I moved my real estate business, there was no reciprocity. I had to go through all the hours. It was a pain in the derriere. I did it. It was the greatest feeling I, I had. I don't care how old you are, Dave. Go take the bar in some other state. Get the hell out of here. You're too good for this state. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. And that's to the point I feel. I mean, unless you're in on this scam and you like it like this. If you are a member of the L. Rukins, you got to love this stuff. Just keep voting for it. All right, if you're on the line, stay on the line. I'll get to you. 312-642-5600. I'll be back after this. We don't need no education. <laughs> yes, CPS school motto. 
We just need indoctrination. Oh, that should have been the next line for that song. By the way, I got so much to talk about. This is why I fast this hour, but I got a full board. Let's go to the calls. Tom in Deer Park. What's up, Tom? Sean, you know, I worked in the loop 40 years, uh, you know, six days a week. Uh, anyway, only two days a week in the city now. But as far as the businesses, I go to the same diner every Saturday and Monday. Um, and uh, I'm going to, you know, continue to support the business because, trust me, the Greek restaurateur that didn't turn a profit for 40 years, the last year has been serious. And, and believe me, the, the business owners hate, the business owners hate the uh, administration of the mayor and, and the governor. And we're all on the same page. So. I want to get. A, I want to ask you a question because I can't get an answer. It's been so long since I've been to the city. Is it eleven percent tax, just city tax, or is it fourteen percent on food? I can't answer that because I never look. You know, pay the bill. And, oh, again, if you got your kind of money, you throw it around, kid. I understand. Yeah. Thanks, Tom. Yeah, when you got that big money, you don't have to look at the receipt. It's either eleven or fourteen. We got to do a little research. We have our staff get on that. Dave in Barrington. Hey, Sean, thanks for having me on. I've been working in the loop for many years, and I've never seen it as bad as it is now. You go you go into a diner to order food. You got people in line that are asking you to pay for their food because, well, you happen to be that light-colored skin. Really? I, I, don't, I don't go in the city anymore unless I've got, and I'm packing D- Dave, I well, to stay safe, brother. It's a dangerous spot. It's like going to Tombstone. But I, I will say this. There's so many businesses. I don't think people understand how they really work. They're working on a very, very small margin for the most part, always hoping for that one big sale, that one big night. And there's so many businesses that were... People thought, oh, they're making a ton of money, when the reality was they were just getting by. And now they're behind the eight ball. And by the way, they took a loan that they don't know the terms of. When those terms of that loan kick in, you better look for an, uh, an economic apocalypse. John in Evanston. Sean Thompson, huge fan. You should have had this time spot five years ago. Thank you, brother. Um, I would have sent you business, but I'm never going to move to Naples. I got a mother-in-law down there, and Florida's out. Right. Um, but my point was, <laughs> go ahead. My, my point, my point was that you said the you know marijuana is legalized yeah. and the gambling is legalized and bring back the prostitutes, but you can't. They're already all in politics. That's a very good point. And by the way, they're ugly. Nobody. Who you? How much money you think that Lori would make on the street? Anyway, I'll tell you. Let's clean it up. You know, it is an afternoon show. But um, I have to tell you, the idea that, that guys don't love their mother-in-law, Johnny Rocket, my mother-in-law is, I, I love her to death. My mother-in-law and father-in-law, I couldn't imagine leaving an area where they are. If they moved to Alaska, all right, I might not live there, but I definitely would visit once a month. Um, so I feel sorry for Dave. Gotta, gotta, gotta have the in-laws that are rock solid. Jack, passing through. What's up, Jack? You got about 35 seconds. Uh, is that me, Sean? It's you. Yes. Oh, hey, uh, real quick. I'm looking at a town hall article about Biden's proposed tax and capital gains at death and the tax rate of 39.6%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Plus a 3.8% investment tax. Uh-huh. I mean, he's creating an entire new capital gains tax on estates. Disincentivizing private investment in order to destroy it. It's economic sabotage, Jack. And here's another trick he's doing before we go to the music. I didn't mean to cut you off, but I got to go quick. That's a, a ruse. It's false. It's a false prediction. He's doing a math trick. He's predicting on the on the revenue from taxation over 12 years, and he's predicting on the cost of expenditures seven, when both are normally 10. You know why? Because he's a Marxist, Democrat, mafia, lion, fraud, political whore. He doesn't even know how to do the math. The good news is he can't figure out how to Visit say vaccines.com. .gum. Go to vaccines.gum, where I'll meet you there with my gums. We'll be back after this. From the streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merc, he's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now... 
with personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America. He's here to seize back our rights from the government with a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other. He's Sean Thompson. And this is The Sean Thompson Show. Listen to me, you understand there's few organizations I really think are built on principles. However, one of them I know is, is Cato Institute. I'm a big fan. At Cato.org, Randall O'Toole is a Cato Institute senior fellow specializing in land use and transportation use. So when he hears the word infrastructure, his blood pressure goes up. I brought him on. How are you, Randall? I'm just fine. Randall, I'm not fine because I was reading a couple of your articles. And um, first of all, am I the only one that knows that the anniversary for the fraud we call Amtrak also celebrates a communist holiday in the Soviet Union? Well, it also celebrates May Day, which is a child's uh, uh, holiday. So there's a lot of things that can be celebrated that day. But, you know, it's just a coincidence that Amtrak was created in October of 2016. Uh, 1970, and Congress gave the National Railroad Passenger Corporation about six months to take over the passenger trains. They decided to do it on May 1st, uh, and I actually love passenger trains, and we lost more than half of our passenger trains that day. Amtrak just shut them down. So uh, that really wasn't a victory for passenger rail trans- transportation. But it was the bastardization of, of rail travel. It really was where government had picked its favorite horse and all the money was going to go into it regardless of the failure. And over the course of 50 years, it has really amounted to quite a sum, has it not? Well, so far the federal government has put in a little over $80 billion into Amtrak. And the funny thing is, here comes Joe Biden. He says, how much are we going to put into Amtrak? How about $80 billion? He wants to put in as much in his term of office as has been put in in the last 50 years. And what are we going to get out of it? Well, uh, when Amtrak took over in 1971, it carried about 0.16% of all passenger travel. $80 billion later, it was down to 0.11% of passenger travel. If Biden's plan is fully funded, they might get it back up to 0.12% of passenger travel. I mean, now In other the- words, we're talking about trivial n- amounts of transportation at huge amounts of dollar costs. And it's no surprise that his son at 21 sat on the board of Amtrak. Is it? Do you think, Randall, there are people that cannot see this this scam that we pretend is a uh, rail industry? And the fact of the matter is, if, if it had to stand on its own two feet, no one would know its name? Well, that is true. Uh, I think we, if we didn't have subsidies for Amtrak, we'd have a, a few tourist trains around. Uh, There might be a couple of cruise trains, like between Denver and Salt Lake City or even Denver and Oakland, because the scenery on that route is really spectacular. But uh, uh, I wouldn't advise taking that route on Amtrak because the seats are uncomfortable, the the bedrooms are uh, five-star priced and one-star accommodations, and the food is really pretty lousy. Well, that sounds like every Marxist country you've just described. Um... Here's another thing. They've got a bunch of politicians telling me that uh, we can't commingle or mingle with family and friends. And uh, whether I follow their Rube Goldberg system of vaccinations, I can only have a mask off if my immediate family had the vaccination. All this nonsense. Yet nobody cares when it comes to this infrastructure boondoggle. And they're willing to throw billions upon billions so strangers can stand three feet from each other on a train. Yeah, it's, and it's not just Amtrak, it's public transit. Ridership on both of them are down about 65 to 70%, and it's not clear that they're ever going to come back. Uh, it's pretty clear that people are moving away from city centers, jobs are moving away from city centers, and the, the redistribution of the population, which is just an acceleration of trends that were already taking place, is not conducive to either Amtrak or public transit, And, you know, right now Amtrak, as I said, carries about 0.1% of travel. Transit carries 0.9% of travel. So together we've got 1%. And Biden wants to take uh, 55% of transportation dollars in his plan and spend it on transit and Amtrak. It's just a 
Uh, it's a, they live in a fantasy land. They, they fantasize how they wish people would travel, and that's what they want to fund, not try to provide safe, efficient, clean travel for the travel that people are actually going to take. And, Randall, on top of that, there's a corruption level that I think is really unprecedented, and people are afraid to really investigate it. So as you hear of the infrastructure, the lipstick on a pig being sold to the American people, are people unaware that they've been taxed for infrastructure maintenance the entire time? And as you hear these people talk about these new high-speed rail and these wonderful new uh, uh, electric stations so that uh, electric cars can refuel all across the nation— do they not see that they have been duped as their taxes to maintain the infrastructure has been squandered? And why is it you think that politicians don't bring this up? Well, uh, a Department of Transportation official once said that politicians love ribbons, not brooms. In other words, they love to be <laughs> you know, in the photo when the ribbon is cut for a new transportation project, but they don't love to fund the maintenance of that project. So you hear about crumbling infrastructure. The infrastructure that's crumbling is infrastructure that was paid for out of political dollars. And the politicians paid to build it, but they did, wouldn't pay to maintain it. So that includes things like the Washington, D.C. metro system, the New York subway system, Boston's T, and so on. Uh, tra- transportation infrastructure that's funded out of user fees, like uh, state highway bridges and toll roads and things like that, those are all in really good condition and getting better every year. So if, if your revenue depends on a user fee, you're going to keep something in good condition because you'll lose the revenues if people aren't going to use it because you've allowed there to be too many potholes. Well, if, if your revenue depends on pleasing tr- politicians, you don't care about the quality of the infrastructure or the quality of the food you serve on board the train because you're just pleasing the politician by running a train through his or her district. Randall, you just tipped your hand and everybody knows you've never been to Chicago because we pay for those toll roads and yet there's still potholes and the money just disappears on us. But we do understand we are the mafia capital of America, so we get it. Um, one of the things, now that we've established that we don't know a politician that could pass an Econ 101 class, your your art, article, the heading, is just it made me laugh for a good three minutes. Density makes housing less affordable, not more. Yet it seems that Joe Biden's American plan for uh, housing more affordable is actually going to do what he always does, and that's drive the cost up. Is that fair to say? That's exactly right. And see, urban planners for years have thought that Americans were bad for living in low-density suburbs and that a much higher percentage of them should live in high-density multifamily housing projects. Well, the fact is a a low-density 1,500-square-foot home in a suburb costs a lot less than a 750-square-foot apartment or condo in a high-rise housing project. It costs a lot less because it costs more to build high-density. But the urban planners will lie through their teeth to make you think that high-density is a good thing. So what they've done is they've drawn urban growth boundaries around many cities, mostly on the coastal states, and that has run up the price of housing. And then they say, oh, well, the the problem is it's those evil single-family residents who won't let us build mid-rise and high-rise apartment buildings in their neighborhoods of single-family homes. So let's rezone everything, and that's what uh, Biden's plan is all about. He's going to give cities' incentives to rezone single-family neighborhoods as if they were the problem. Well, single-family zoning has never made housing unaffordable. Uh, Rezoning single-family housing for multifamily will not make housing affordable. It will actually make it less affordable and less desirable. And there will be all kinds of unintended consequences. But this is what the urban planners, the central planners, want to do which is actually very much like a a book I once read called The Ideal Communist City, which was written by urban planners at the University of Moscow in 1965. The similarities are undeniable. And, you know, Randall, as I, uh, my real estate was my, is is one of my businesses. And I love the idea of, of real estate and the potential and the fact of what the American experience really is, is that we're really among the first, if not the first nation where private citizens had the right to the bundle of rights of property ownership. I wonder, do are there that many people that are still unaware that America is only 6% developed? 
and that when you're making a disadvantage to people to live in suburbs, that the vast majority of those people are not going to capitulate to your will, but they will then become rural landowners. Is that not something they see in the future? Well, if, if they can draw enough urban growth boundaries, then they won't become rural landowners. In Oregon, if you own land in a rural area, you can build a house on it only if you uh, own 80 acres and you actually farm it and you actually earned $80,000 a year farming it in two of the last three years. Until then, you can't even build a house on your own land. And they want those kind of rules in states all over the country. So, uh, so how does a law like that pass? pack themselves into high-density housing. And uh, and scarify the rural areas. Randall, how does a law like that pass in this country? And I'm dead serious. Why are attorneys, where are the damn lawyers as they are legislating my freedoms away from me? How in the world can government or a municipality possibly make such a ridiculous rule as that? Um, well, in Oregon, uh, everything is run by uh, boards and commissions that are appointed by the governor, and we haven't had a Republican governor since 1988, I believe. And so all these boards and commissions are made up of Democratic appointees who have a liberal view, and they don't care about things like uh, uh, housing affordability or traffic congestion or whatever. They just say, well, we can't afford to build ourselves out of congestion, so we're going to build light rail instead. Uh, and then they voters vote down light rail, and they build it anyway. So before I let you go, in the autopsy of America that our great-grandchildren will, will perform, when they come to the time when they say, okay, this is what made America clap, collapse, in your opinion, will it be that the people were undermined by their elected officials, or in your opinion, will the future kids tell us the people were too stupid to protect their own liberties? I think if, if we collapse, it's because we're going to be undermined by federal officials. The great thing about having 50 states is that you have 50 experiments. And so California gets it wrong and Texas gets it right. Oregon and Washington get it wrong, but Florida and North Carolina get it right. And so we see contrast. It's only when the federal government steps in and forces everybody to do exactly the wrong thing, which is almost always what they do, uh, that we then begin to have problems. And do you think that, are you shocked by the willingness of the Americans to not understand um, what the amendment process is and the takings clause and how we've allowed eminent domain to be a blanket excuse to rob American citizens? Um, you know, I think people do understand that. When the Kilo decision uh, came out, um, the people understood it a lot better than the Supreme Court because the Supreme Court decided the wrong way, and people in the majority of states got passed a law essentially in those states overturning what the Supreme Court said. So uh, people understand property rights when it affects their property. They have a harder time understanding property rights when it affects other people's property. And so we just have to personalize this, make sure it's humanized, make sure we put a human face on the problems that we're causing with this kind of central planning. And that's why I love your, your, your site. I love the fact that you are with the Cato Institute. You are a senior fellow specializing in land use and transportation. Randall, I've had a good time, and I'm going to ask you to come back because, as you know, we are going to face future, future atrocities as we push back, back against the Marxist mafia. So I'm looking forward to our next conversation. I want to thank you for joining me. I'm happy to be here. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. I'll take your calls and comments when I get back. I also want to play you more proof of exactly what we're litigating. 312-642-5600. You know, Mike from Hammond, Indiana, has a very interesting point that when you build upon it. Hi, Mike. How are you? Hey, how you doing, Sean? Very good. Yeah, I'm 57 years old. I've heard this this stuff with the mass transit, high-speed rail. Now you got this buffoon in the White House. They cut off the pipeline that we had going on. They're pushing all the electric cars. The electric cars are going to be way way too expensive for the lower middle class and the poor to even afford. They're going to turn mass mass transit. Well, they're all subsidized too, Mike. They're all subsidized. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Which is which is horrible too. Yeah, and you, well, and they're terrible. The, the lithium, what it does to okay. the earth, it destroys their whole meaning of green. But it, you know, your point is that electric cars will become so expensive that only the upper middle class will be able to afford it. So therefore, they are then pricing themselves 
um, riders on mass transit. So if you didn't like it yeah, because you, you could choose it, you're going to like it because you're forced to use it. No, you, you know, you're not going to like it at all. I, I, I've always said once you take away our mobility, then you're going to see a real uprising in this country. But, yeah, Biden and the Democrats, they're going to force you. You're not going to have a choice. You know, if, I love and it. how are these people going to move, move out of the inner cities to live live somewhere else to trans transit in? No, it, that's the way of forcing people to stay in these inner cities. Yeah. With Mike, transit. you know what I'm hoping? I mean, that's the way I look at it. I'm hoping that you, I think you're right, by the way. Philosophically, I completely agree with you. I'm hoping the only no. chance is that the infrastructure of people having mobility is too great to disappear overnight. But I do like where you're going. Thank you, Mike. I do appreciate you listening and calling, and it's a great point. And it also explains why. Right now, today, oil over $65 a barrel, right? That's no big deal. The Democrats, you guys got the money. You don't need cheap oil. You like it expensive. It also explains why there's no outrage. Right now, nationwide, Gas is two ninety a gallon. One year ago, it was a dollar seventy eight. You know, if you guys, you guys, you Democrats, you ghetto Democrats, you guys, you got the money. I don't know. You seem to you, all of a sudden you need free health care, you need free college, you need free rent, you need free food. But when it comes to gas, you got the money. No wonder why you want the two thousand, Larry, Northwest Indiana. Yeah, uh, Sean, I, I want to compliment you. I, when you have somebody on there you're interviewing, and you just let them talk and you don't interrupt them. And, I mean, it, it's refreshing. So often these other guys over there, the, the guy's talking, and he's a professional, and the guy on the microphone is, you know, interrupting. And the, you know, Larry, I wanted to let you get on because that's the first time in my life someone told me I don't interrupt. So, Larry, thank you very much. You're the fan of the day. Appreciate it very much. I've never heard that before, but I appreciate it. Well, it's important you bring on, you know, this is what I think talk radio needs to be. You take people, there are think tanks out there, which is really what Cato Institute is. It's what Mises Institute is. It's what so many other institutions are. And these are institutions built on true principles of Americanism. What we're up against is not a political party. We're up against core communists and Marxists. These are people that want to legislate your freedoms away from you. Now, they can legislate it in many ways. They can price you out of the market through legislation and rules, or they can simply legislate your choice and your judgment and your ability over your own life away. Or they can do something that's really diabolical. They can pretend that you are entitled to something, get you sold on the fact you're entitled to it, and then use that very system to undermine all your other freedoms. What am I talking about? I'm talking about this concept that public schools should exist. And they've sold this nation on the idea that old ladies and people without kids should be taxed to pay for you and your kids. And the vast majority of people who don't consider themselves socialists, they buy it and they put mustard on it and they eat it. And now that has become an American entitlement. And what's happened while well, you've been chanting that your kids should go to school because you live in a good neighborhood for free is that a communist organization called the Teachers Union has used its influence to, to take away not only tax money, but it has used its influence to corrupt the very system of government which writes the rules to, that has imprisoned you for a year. Thanks, Jen. Thanks, Jen. I just want to give you a chance to respond to the accusations that the American Federation of Teachers, the country's largest, second largest teachers union, influenced the CDC's guidelines on reopening schools. You had Republican Senator Tom Cotton. Wait a minute. The second most powerful teachers union in the country used its influence to write CDC guidelines that kept your kids out of school. So there there it's what it looks like when the government tells you it's your it's a right. It's also their right to tell you how to live and to take away your daycare worker, because after all, that's all this is. Your kids aren't being provided school. They're not being provided knowledge. They're being provided indoctrination. And there are two stories that prove it. And it's that crazy racist piece of garbage that was pulled over by the cop. Listen to what her occupation is. You know why I'm being harassed today? Because I was going under the speed limit. I was going at 38. Yes, you are, ma'am. Good morning. Which is, and the speed limit is 40, and I was going 38, so why are you harassing me? You are me? correct. I pulled you over because... Because you're a murderer. Because uh, yes, I started to record because you can't you're a murderer. Be a, you can't be on your cell phone like, while you're driving. I was on my phone. I was recording you because you scared you can't, me. You can't use your cell I phone while you're recording. I can record you. May I have your driver's license? I, it's, it's at my apartment. 
What's your apartment? It's at my home. I'm just taking my son to his. Do you party. have a, Do you have your driver's license? I it, I mistakenly left it at home. Do you have a picture of your driver's license? Yes, I do. May I have it? And can you call your supervisor, please? Because I, I already did. He's on his way. Good, because you're a murderer. Okay. And so you're giving me a cell phone ticket. Is that why you're harassing me? Not harassment. Yeah. I, I am enforcing the law. I have a right to and record the police when they're harassing me. By all means, but you can't do it while you're driving. I was. I can. I wasn't. Doesn't texting or none of that. Do you have? And you have that you picture? scared me and made me think you were going to murder me. Okay. Well, I'm sorry you feel that way. And I'm a teacher. And I'm a teacher. She's a teacher. And that union that has brainwashed not only her, but that is telling her to brainwash your children is now writing government regulation when it comes to the so-called virus. That's how you're undermined from what you think is your right to send your kids to school for free. That's how an entitlement becomes a weapon against your freedom. And by you telling people that you deserve to have your kids go to school for free, you're now having your liberty stolen. You see, everything's connected. There are no coincidences. 312 642-5600. 642 5600. Don't push me because I'm close to the edge. Even the traffic lady's getting upset about the demonstrations. Screwing off traffic. You know, but right away you jump to conclusions. Could be like a French mime. Maybe it's a nice village story where the village comes together to save the kids. It doesn't have to be bad. Of course, it is Chicago. Well, you're, that's not just a feeling. You're a murderer. Okay. Can you zoom in on that for me, Sure. Jay? Thank you. And I'm perfectly legal, and I'm a teacher. There you go. You sound perfectly legal. You sound perfectly sane. Calling the cop a murderer. You don't have your license on you. And you think you're going to get out of it, and you did get out of it. Because you're a teacher. And in the same time, and right across town, the, the union that represents the ideology of this woman. Now, I'm not suggesting every teacher thinks this. But I do. I'm very comfortable in saying 80%. I think I'm low. They like this kind of system. After all, they've used their political clout, their influence in the Marxist mafia to make sure that not only didn't they go to school or your kids go to school, they made more money. Saying that this is evidence of a politicized public health agency answering at the beck and call of the teachers union. So how does the White House respond? Well, I would say first that's false. Um, Let's take a step back and talk about uh, how the CDC works. The CDC, it's actually longstanding best practice uh, for the CDC to engage with organizations and groups. So then it's politicized. If it's a long practice that it works with groups and organizations, then it doesn't represent the people. It represents the groups and the organizations against what's best for the people. That is our government system. The reason they got you chasing your tail and minorities, because the smallest minority is you. The individual, the one that this country is supposed to protect the rights of, the one that it's very comfortable with abusing. You're the smallest minority, not a race, not a religion. Not a sex or gender or sexual preference, just the individual. And the more corrupt the government agency, the more politicized it it is. The CDC has zero credibility. Zero. That's why I I call myself trans-vaccinated. I didn't have it, but I feel like I did. So I'm going in all the places you say I can't. What do I need, an index card? I got it covered. Don't worry about it. Covered. It's ridiculous. 312-642-5600. Which government agency is not politicized, is not owned and operated and benefited from special interests. And don't tell me the law enforcement ones. Don't tell me the, like, the ones that are supposed to investigate crooked politicians, like right here in Chicago, where they build empires, empires, instead of go to prison. Lee Hammond. Yeah, Sean. Hey, you know, a couple of points real quick. As a Hispanic male, I'd like to find out why that cop didn't run that racist loon in for driving without a license. I, I thought that was against the law. Now, Lee, you're a policeman, and I know you are. You're an expert. No, I'm not. You're, no, I'm you're not. retired, no, never though, right? Been. Oh, why did I think you were? I might have come close to being on the other end of those. Actions. Oh, all right. I understand that. Okay. Well, I will tell you this. Um, can you imagine being one? Can you imagine being a policeman I in this day and age? Nowadays, no way. Mm-hmm. Would, if that was your son, would you tell him to arrest her? Yeah. Yeah, oh. definitely. Yeah. And then oh. the other point I wanted to make, Sean, uh, I wish you can get this lady on. Her name Charlotte Isabi. She was, uh, I think, she was deputy uh, secretary of education in the Reagan administration. 
She literally wrote the book called The Deliberate Dumbing Down of America, A Hundred Years of Government Schools, and with the damage that it's done to young people in this country. Lee, I, I, Lee, I was in school. Thank you. I couldn't agree with you more. And by the way, I was in school when they introduced the curve. I'll never forget that. And I'll never forget the kid in class who was the reason they hit a curve, asking Mrs. Williams, who was my math teacher, who I loved to death, um, asking her, what's a curve? And she basically went on to tell him, that's because we have people like you called anchors that draw down the average. And rather than fail you, the school system wants me to pass you, so we have to make other kids who don't deserve it get A's. And that's how you get people to the year 2021, when these political institutions are seen as representative republic versus ruling class Marxists. That are going to be impacted by guidance and recommendations issued by the agency. It doesn't mean they are taking everything they want or even a percentage of what they want. But it's important to understand the implementation components. Um, They do so to ensure uh, that recommendations are feasible and that they adequately address the safety and well-being of the individuals the guidance is aimed to protect. protect. Uh So the CDC engaged with around 50 stakeholders Mm -hmm. that are on the front lines in this pandemic uh, and have requisite perspective for the guidance. That's government speak for telling them they're gods. The most important people in this country aren't capitalists, aren't people who embrace American principles. Oh, quite the opposite. The most important people in this country are government bureaucrats, political whores who have sold out for campaign contributions, who love to flex their authority, and they ain't giving it back. The CDC and doctors who you wouldn't let practice on your dog like Auntie Mary Fauci, are the most important people in your life and in this country. That doesn't sound like a republic to me. That sounds like a mobocracy. 312-642-5600. By the way, a little update. Earlier in the show, I asked, what was the Chicago tax? They say it's 10.75. My, my, my dear uh, Johnny Rocket asked the evil Google. However, something tells me those restaurants round up. Especially when you got guys like Tom from Deer Park who don't look anyway. It's probably 16%. Tom wouldn't know, throwing the money around. And unlike uh, welfare people, he works for it. Um, so we, Lee and Hammond uh, said the cop should arrest him. And if he was his son, the cop, he would tell him to arrest her. I, I couldn't disagree. And I, I like Lee. But I couldn't disagree with that point more. I have a nephew. It's not my blood nephew. I tease him. He's uh, married into my, my wife's family, and I make him call me Uncle Sean, which just is something I like. I'm an only child, and I think I would like that. Um, but I tell him because he has three beautiful little girls, or uh, well, two little girls and one little boy, two or three beautiful kids. Don't get out of your car. It isn't worth it right now. It isn't worth it. I had a cop come into the cigar store today, two kids. Don't go in the day. Don't, don't get out of your car. It's not worth it. When you're in a time and a day and an age when 81 million people vote for this fraud, feeble, flaccid fascist in diapers, support these kind of policies that are about holding their fellow citizens down, stripping them of their property and redistributing wealth to a bunch of leeches. And when the vast majority of the country is cheering for this crackpot because she's obviously a racist lunatic teacher. So there. Congratulations. You're a murderer. What's your last name? I can't see that there. Well, here you go. Stop shaking. Zoom in on that for no, me. No, because right? you're scaring me. Oh, They're threatening to kill me and my son. Can you give me okay. the, the well, you, you, I'll tell you what, you keep smiling yeah, on camera. You keep, you're, th- you're trying to threaten to kill me. I'm I not didn't smiling. Say that. What a disgrace of humanity. I remember when that Duchess of Chafington, that absolute punchline, Hillary Clinton, called people who didn't support her and her scumbag husband and their agenda deplorables. This is what deplorable looks like. And I don't just mean because she's 340 pounds and can't get out of the car without the help of a midget and some Vaseline. I mean because of her character. She's the scum of the earth. And and there are how many people that drop their kids off to this rat every day and have no idea. No idea what's going on in their schools. You want to stop this? It's simple. Stop taking just because they say you're entitled. Pull your kids out of school. Simple. They only get paid by the amount of kids they pretend to teach instead of babysit in between indoctrination of this Marxist philosophy that has destroyed, destroyed nations around the world and responsible for the deaths of 100 million plus people. This is what the American Teachers Union really stands for. They are deplorable, a disgrace and a punchline if you really listen to what they're saying. Robert Bloomingdale. 
Yeah, quickly, I just wanted to say, God bless our police and fire department out there and everything they do. This police officer handled himself very cool. And um, it just shows you that some people who might be school teachers, they just think, that, and so forth, not all of them, that there are exceptions to the rule. You have to follow the rules and do what, like we do and be like what we are. I just and got this ticket. I just got this ticket no more than three, uh, two months ago, three months ago. Did you ago. make a fuss? Of course not. I smoked a oh. cigar. I said to the guy, he goes, you know, I think you're on your phone. I actually said, what took you so long? I'm always on my phone, but that's all right. Yeah. It's my car. It's my thing. I know I shouldn't have been doing it, but so what? I was doing it. I actually was coming. It was. I was at a stoplight. I had just taken off. I had it in my hand, and I knew he was parked there. I said, ah, damn it. Cost me a hundred and some dollars. Robert, thank you so much. But what this woman did is give you kind of a look into the philosophy of the people we stand opposed to. This is what it looks like. This is the kind of philosophy that they have. And all she really wanted was a payout. I'm telling you right now. That's why she kept regurgitating the same thing. I only hope there aren't slip and fall lawyers that'll take the case up. George, Libertyville. You know what, Sean? As always, I couldn't agree with you more, but the only thing you said I totally disagree with is 81 million people did not vote for that fraud. Maybe for George, you listen, you listen to me. In fact, I have said, if you look historically, if you audit just the areas, I was doing election night coverage that night. I don't give a rip what anybody says. You know me. I could care less what anybody who, first of all, would vote for Biden says. But number one, if you're going to sell me on this BS, that's why Liz Cheney today. Oh, no, it wasn't stolen. Listen, Liz. Listen, Liz. Dumpy. I can tell you, I decide if it was stolen. And I say it was stolen. And I don't give a rip what these pseudo-intellectual frauds say. And that's the position I got to take. So I don't, don't, don't misunderstand me. I'm not for one minute buying that number. I was doing the coverage. I know what it is. I saw what it was that night. I know full well that the Democrat mafia districts are the ones where he came in 100%, 90% voter turnout. Now, these pseudo-intellectual fascist supporters can pretend that's a win, but it isn't a win. And they can steal and try to lie and bully people around. But in the grand scheme of things, they didn't win anything. They're just in charge. They usurped. And that's why they're driving it like they stole it. And that's why every day it's another political atrocity on the victims who are called citizens in this country. And that's why they're afraid of your opinion. And they're afraid to have you talk back. And they demand respect. That's why. Because they know it's stolen. And I don't give a rip what anyone says. I don't care. Go back and look at the districts. Go back and look at the little areas, just like Cicero, just like Melrose Park, just like the Democrat mafia hubs of Chicago in the same neighborhoods. Same fraud. And now we're supposed to take it. Well, you could take it. I'm going to fight back every day, five to seven during the week. On the weekends, I take off. I'm silly that way. I'll see you tomorrow. Goodbye and good riddance. She don't believe in shooting stars, but she believes in shoes.